I feel like everyone wants me to be someone else but a dancer. I've always felt that. I always felt that. Even when I was building ClassPass, everyone wanted me to do everything else but do the thing that I love. Like it was this constant dialogue in my head that made me feel like I couldn't be ambitious or I couldn't dance or that like doing all those things was the wrong path. And I think we forget that everything people say to us is food for thought, right? It gets into our minds and it can change our energy. It can change the outcome of our life. Payal, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I've been dying to have you on since I started this show. And the thing that I find so powerful is the fact that you're Indian, you come from first generation parents that immigrated here, and the expectations that people and family and our cultures put on, our, on us can sometimes hold us back from our dreams. Yeah. But you didn't let that hold you back, and you went on to build a freaking juggernaut of a company worth over a billion dollars, class pass. And I have a quote of yours I'd really love to address. It's about learning when to get off the train and start living your own journey. Mm -hmm. All right, so talk to me about the train of expectation, yeah. and then I wanna talk about how the hell you get off that train to live the dream like you did. I mean, you know, I think for so many of us, we grow up and society tells us what success is, what accomplishment looks like, and you're sort of put into this grind, right? And I think for me, education was important and I'll never, ever you know regret that i think like the foundation that my parents gave me with education was so important uh but you know i found something i really loved that was sort of different it was like offbeat i think for most people which was dance you know um and i think for me when i found that i found this place that i felt normal in and i felt accepted in you know because i did grow up with these different identities growing up and i didn't fit in and i needed a place where i felt like i would belong and dance became that place for me and so I sort of used this dance place for me to build my confidence and to build this idea that like, this is a different universe I can be in. It's not the normal path that my parents were saying to go to like, go to go, you know, get to a good education and then go and get an awesome career. I was doing all that, but I knew if I had dance on the side, I was sort of doing what was still fulfilling to me. Um, but I think what happens to most people is when we graduate from college, we start a job, we start, living to like get promoted, get more money, like get married, have kids. And that sort of becomes like the only milestones in our life. But we need to have other milestones. And I think I was really lucky because I had this other thing in my life that gave me other milestones. So I would have a dance show, right? Which was different than maybe getting a promotion at work, but I was excited about it. And it would take me six months to prepare for it. And it gave me something to really strive for. So I think for me, like having these other things mm -hmm. that helped me feel like I was progressing as a human being, because really that's really what it's all about is we're all looking for progress. But progress is defined by what society thinks, not by ourselves. And we need to start really thinking about what is progress to me? And I don't think I really started asking myself those questions until after I was in college. You know, I think I was fighting in college to trying to find the answers to that, but I didn't know. It was only after where I feel like I started 
probably being a little rebellious when it comes to those those decisions. God, I love that. And I really want to kind of like piece it apart because, and it's funny because I had this as being Greek Orthodox as well. And I heard mm -hmm. you say, you like, you leave college and then it's like, okay, but you've got to get a job. And as soon as you get a, get a job, it's like, well, hang on, wait, you need to find a husband. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. You were just like pushing me to get an education. Yeah. Um, and you said that you had the guilt. Like, I really want to touch on that as well so that mm -hmm. we can then pass through how you started to then develop your habit, um, the passion that you had of dancing. Yeah. Because I, I, it feels like that was almost like a lifeline for you. Yeah, it was. Um, so talk to me about the guilt and then how you use that lifeline to get you through all of that. Well, you know, I think I tried to understand where my parents' expectations were coming from. I mean, they had sacrificed so much that in their world, they were just like, I never want you to feel any of the torture, any of the hardship we felt. What? And so I, and you know, I talk about this too in the book. I think part of getting through expectation is understand where it's coming from. So instead of sort of fighting my parents on, hey, why are you telling me to do that? It was trying to understand where it was coming from. The fact that they wanted happiness for me, they wanted security for me. And then me saying, okay, I can still find happiness and security in other ways. It's not that our goals were actually misaligned at all. And I think that really helped me, you know, just sort of figure it out in my head to be like, I'm actually not doing anything that's against their point of view. I'm actually doing something that is in favor of both of our values, but you have to get to the root of what that expectation is, right? And it yeah. wasn't it wasn't get married and have kids. It was like, it was really like, oh, we want you to have love, right? We want you to have support. We want you to have like have not be lonely in your life, right? So it was coming from like a really sweet place, even though I didn't Look, in hindsight, everything's, yeah, everything's easier. In hindsight, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, I mean, I mean, during the time, you're like, really? You're going to ask me that again? <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that's really what it came down to is for me is understanding it. Mm -hmm. And the guilt, you know, and I think we all deal with guilt. And I have learned, so like the nose just drop off. And oh. I have lived my life with like just this immense sense of fierceness towards the things I love to do that like literally I don't have an hour to waste because I am spending all my time doing exactly what I know I'm like, I really want to do are my priorities and are going to fulfill me. And I think when you do that, you don't have time to even like the nose just drop off. Right. And the guilt just goes away because you are just living your life so in line with your being that everything just dissipates, you know? And I think that's what people forget because when you start doing the shoulds and the obligations, you're not living your life. Right. And you're kind of caught in this like circular matrix of like, Oh, okay, I'm kind of doing stuff I want, and then I never get time enough to do what I really want to do. But when you're just going, you know what? Like this, the the fuel that's pushing you through just makes everything else disappear, and the guilt goes away. I love that. So, like, basically, the the pull towards something you love, it get it so that it's so freaking great that even if you have the guilt, it um it doesn't compete. It doesn't compete. I and you'll know. It. I think when you live your life truthfully and meaningfully with the things that you love, you just won't question it. But I think that's what people need to really discover is what those things are. And the more you do it, you know, and like I said, I got lucky. Like I found that when I was really young with dance that like it just gave me such happiness that I was like, nothing can compete with this. Yeah. So what do you mean? Like no event could compete with this. No dinner could compete with this. No traveling can compete with this. I knew very clearly what my priority was and what I wanted to do outside of my responsibilities. Right. That's the other thing I like mm. think is important is we do have responsibilities in life and we can't put them all away. Give me an example when you I mean, say responsibilities. I mean, having, making money, right? Like having to have a job that pays the bills, right? And, you know, I even think about my own journey and it took me, I worked for six years before I quit my job and I saved up a lot of money. But during that time, 
I was really cautious. Like I in lived the corporate world, you in the corporate world, well. exactly. Yeah. I was there for six years, like making a good salary, all of that. And I'm glad I did it. It was sort of my way to make sure that I had enough money to jump off the cliff when mm -hmm. I wanted to. But look, I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I didn't start my journey thinking I was going to build this company, but I wanted to make sure that when the moment came, I had enough money to do that, right? And at the same time, like it took me six years and I think that's the important thing that people have to do with money is make your money work for you, mm -hmm. right? Don't work for money. Put a plan together, right? So you might not be in a place today where you can go after your dreams, but that doesn't mean you can't put a plan together today and start working towards it, right? And that once again becomes momentum and something for you to do and it prioritizes your time, it prioritizes your money. So hopefully in you know a few years, you're able to do what you really wanna do and that also helps the nose go away and the guilt go away. I love that um, because that's the thing is that people find, and myself included, find it hard to take that first step. Yeah. Like the fear of the the fear of what people are going to say, the fear of failing, the, um, all of these things Absolutely. that come flooding in. And you actually said it earlier, and I'd really love to touch on it more, is you said about identity, right? So like finding dance, really loving it. But I've definitely heard you say about how you grew up with somewhat these two identities because yeah. you didn't fit in over here. So talk to me about having dual identity that you very eloquently have identified um, and then how you ended up using that to your advantage whereas when I think we're younger we um, at least for myself I found it very I found it difficult because I was like well who am I am I yeah. this am I that and then you get put in a bucket or you let other people then put you in a bucket so talk to me about the dual identities that you faced and then how you then use that to be who you are today. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest dual identity I faced when I was younger was being Indian and American. And I grew up in a town where there wasn't any other Indian people, right? And it was hard for me because I would get made fun of and I did love where I came from. I had an awesome community nearby where like I loved the festivals we would do, the celebrations, I loved the community. And I felt like I was two different people. And I think a lot of people get to moments in their life, not just when they're younger, when they're older too, mm -hmm. where they're one person maybe like at work or in this social circle and they're a different person with their family or certain friends. And it's not fun to live like that, right? You're almost denying both of who you truly are. And I remember like this happened in college for me is I started really feeling okay being both Indian and American. And that came out for me, like obviously in my vehicle of dance, because that's sort of like, like you said, my lifeline. Mm -hmm. And I think I started just feeling really proud of who I was and the different like colors that made me pile. And I think that's like really what I had to work on. And I, I've thought about this because I've been in so many situations in my life where I didn't fit in, right? And I think this is the important thing is because I was made fun of when I was younger, mm -hmm. because I had gone through some of that adversity, I developed some armor, you know? I developed a way to deal with it, to understand deeper where who I was and where I did the work, right? To understand the roots of where I came from, right? To figure out how do I share myself in a better way with my community? What environments mm. make me feel more whole? And I was constantly reflecting on that. And then once I really kind of came to the center of that, I felt like I could really be my full self in every environment. And I think that work is what we really need to do. And it's about learning with where we came from, right? Like sometimes we don't know the basis to who we are. So like I think for me, like one of the things is uh, my dance teacher would teach us these awesome, you know, group dances, okay? And they were folk dances from India. But I didn't know at the time, and obviously like I say this now, and at the time I didn't appreciate it at all, but we were learning like these daily chores that Indian women were doing and how they danced their way to sort of like pass the time. 
And so whether it was like getting water, right, from the from the, the nearest river, right? Or putting like marble on the floor and like it's a Tiffany dance where they're hitting the floor in unison. Uh -huh. It was this like beautiful way where all of a sudden I realized dance was connecting me to my ancestors and and these beautiful women that I came from. And I think all of that started making me feel more strong about mm -hmm. the strands of who I was. And ultimately when it came together, and you know, I think this definitely took me some time, like I think when I decided to build class pass, that was when I remember thinking like, I'm never gonna fit in, but I'm awesome in all the ways I am, right? Like I didn't actually walk into a room expecting to fit in. Like that was never my, my oh, expectation. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I never walked into any, I always knew I was going to be different. And you know what, I enjoyed that because it made me different. It made me pe want, like people wanted to talk to me because I was a different person in the room. And you know what, I had something to say and I knew I was going to build something. So I think it was about flipping mm -hmm. the conversation in my head to being like, I like being unique. I love it. Have you always been like that? No. Like, okay, so take me through, and this is what I love about, yeah. because it's those moments that are so pivotal in someone's yeah. life and career and trajectory and their dreams and who they become. Because there's a world where you could have let that really get to you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. It imprints you, it tells you a message that, you know, whatever the, the bullies were saying, right? You're no good, oh my God, you're different. I think people saying you smell and things yeah, like that. Totally. It's like, so you can actually take that to heart. You can yeah. actually take that as truth, especially when you're younger. Absolutely. I, mean, I think you even said it's not even just when you're younger, as adults, we take people's comments as truth. Right. So if you were the person that was like, oh my God, that really hurt. And now you can sit here and say, I love being unique. What is it that is that fundamental thing that we can tell people that it's like, don't worry if you're here, you can love, your, love yourself, you can accept yourself, you can actually lean into who you are, but this is how you do it. Like what was that pivot yeah. where your mindset went from, you're no good, oh my God, I can't believe I don't fit in, to fuck yeah, I don't fit in. So I think two big things happened for me, and I think this is important. You gotta think about the community you're around, right? So I was around like that corporate community, which like, definitely helped me in terms of like my business side and all of it, but I was a creative, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think beyond my Indian American identity that I was dealing with, I was also dealing with this idea that I'm this like analytical human being who went to a good school. And then on the other side, I was this dancer who had mm -hmm. this like amazing talent on one side. And so I think for me, I never, like I said, I never fit in. But I think what I started to do is have separate groups of people, right? And I, I had done that when I was younger too. I had my Indian community, mm. my American community. I think when I was working, I had like my business community and I had my creative community. And what I really learned to do over time was sort of blend them, mm. right? So for Indian American people, like I started putting on dance shows that had both of them there. And in my, in my creative community, I started inviting like my Bain colleagues that I was consulting with to my dance shows, right? Like I remember like creating events even like after college, I think it was like me and my friends would do this where, and one of my friends was like, she worked at McKinsey, was an actress on the side. We would host parties and we would have everyone together. And I think this idea of bringing our worlds together made us feel whole. Mm -hmm. And I think what we realized is everyone has these different parts to them, right? It's not just us. It was just a matter of, whatever environment you're mostly in is what's going to dictate what's in your mind. So I would say like be very conscious of the communities you're around and the people you're surrounding yourself with because that is going to influence it the most. My God, that's amazing. And before you go into the next one, I just want to say like, 
in you accepting who you were in both in dualities of the different parts of you I think and you've even said like you lead by example seeing it is believing it so by you being the one that is stepping out and showing look I've got multiple sides to me and here they all are I think then allows people to have permission to do the same absolutely I mean um, you know and I'll go into it a little but like I remember um, inviting my Bane colleagues to my dance show. You know, I talk about how scared I was because I wasn't ready, like fully. I wasn't, it was little steps, right? None of this was one moment where everything flipped over. It was little baby mm -hmm. steps, you know? And um, I always felt like, like, once again, I shined on stage. So I wanted them to see me in that environment because yeah, while I was like great and smart in meetings and stuff, like I knew when I was on stage, like that's when I was like a boss, you know? And so they, I remember when they would come and like the day after they had all like everyone would be writing me emails being like, oh my God, you're so talented. And even like one of my bosses was like, can you come over and teach me a dance with like for his upcoming wedding? And like, I, you know, I think it was so amazing for me to then be the teacher to my boss, like on the weekends, like I'd be like, no, you're doing this step wrong. <laughs> it was just like a complete shift, but it, it definitely elevated my confidence and everything that, you know, I truly felt made me whole. Um, I think the second big thing of it, what it really comes down to when you're working on meaningful stuff, I think a lot of your identity sort of dissipates, right? Like mm -hmm. I think about ClassPass and I don't know any other person in the world who would have made that company because of my background, my identity, the things I loved. And right, it's like who is going to classes every day on top of being in the business world, on top of loving dance, who had that analytical sort of technological background. Like I, you know, and, and I say that because I wanna celebrate the different parts that I always thought were supposed to be like siloed mm. and I was only supposed to stay in this lane or I was only supposed to stay in this lane. And that I think is, is what made me feel sometimes like I didn't belong, right? Like when you're in a world, you kind of, there's a path to success here. And in this world, this is the path of success and this one. The, and I was kind of going like this, you know, but like I wanted to get to my own place of success and what I felt like fulfillment was going to be. And when I started building ClassPass and I felt like all parts of her coming together, right? Like I could show up to meetings in my leggings, which I love. Like I love <laughs> being in leggings all the time and not having to wear business clothes. Like I was building a company that was so aligned with my ethos of who I was that I just didn't question it anymore. Like I literally was like, I am everything I'm supposed to be and I'm giving all of that back to the world through this product. And I think that's really what the magic is, is like when you really are doing stuff that you really love, I think you stop questioning it because you're in the right environment and you're in the right state of mind. I love that so much. And um, as you were talking, I was really thinking, what assumptions did you then have to break? Because I think going kind of to, same with expectations, where sometimes it's just ingrained. Yeah. We have so many assumptions, like you even just said, like, oh no, no, business is here. And yeah. This is your lane and this is your lane. So how do you address the assumptions in order to break them for you to go, oh, hang on a minute, I, I'm I'm in business, but I'm not doing everything everyone else says, and yet I'm still doing great. Like, how do you break that in order to then allow yourself to pivot and not follow a path? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things, and I think I, I talk about my parents a lot in the book um, because I think everyone has parents that kind of tell them what to do, <laughs> and we love them, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's also important to kind of find our own selves in any of these, you know, relationships we might have where we feel like people are telling us what mm -hmm. to do. Um, I learned, you know, to share a lot of my success with them early on, right? I think I realized sharing my, like, points of, you know, getting some, like, celebrity person to come to a dance show or them coming to an event and seeing people write about us in the press. Like, I, re I remember, like, almost oversharing 
And I think that's a really mm. important thing that we forget to do. So if someone is saying we don't want you to do something, what's our, our tendency is to start like lying or hiding <laughs> it, right? And I kind of did the exact- Especially the failures. Exactly, yeah, of course. I mean, I, but I did the exact opposite. I like overshared. I overshared the failures. I mm. overshared all of it because then it made them feel a part of the journey. And I think when they felt they were a part of the journey, like it got them to the point where they trusted, they were trusting my decision-making, right? It wasn't about them just seeing the output. It was that, like what you said, it was that like, she is going to succeed no matter what she does, even though it's not this path, this mm -hmm. path, this path, she's finding her way to success and she's thriving in that environment. And part of proving it to my parents was proving it to myself. And I think like you said this earlier, starting small is, is something that is so important. Like I think people forget, like I know I built a huge company, but I always say this, like I think it all started with like a dance show for a hundred people, you know? Like that was sort of day one and step one was me learning to just execute and be a leader. Like I didn't know mm -hmm. how to put on a show. I like found a way to like rent space and like send an invite out and create like a flyer. Like I know these things sound small, but like as an entrepreneur, I think it's just getting yourself in an environment where you, are like, I'm gonna do something and doing it well, right? And getting that response from other people helps you just break through a lot of those expectations of other people and what you're supposed to do because the more you do what you enjoy doing, the more positive reinforcement you're going to get, which is going to help you break through the pattern. Yeah, I love that. And you also talk about tuning other people's opinions and voices out so you can actually listen to your own. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the biggest ones, and this is probably one of like, the hardest times in my life was, you know, as my company was growing, I think, you know, I was an Indian woman, everyone wanted me to get married. And not just Indian women, I think everyone has this conversation, right? Like, oh, do I have someone who loves me, right? Like, do I have a boyfriend, all that, that stuff. And it sort of dictates our self-worth. Mm -hmm. And I was also like, and I, and I say that because it's important, like I think the, the language we are told from when we were younger just reinforces that message that our self-worth is about some guy loving us and like asking us to marry them, right? And I remember so many days and I, I honestly, like my biggest regret of my 20s when I was building this company is I wasted so many nights when like great things happened, being unhappy because of like a boy or because of like a relationship or being single. And a lot of that came because like my, you know, my parents and the community were like, hey, like the first question they'd be like, so are you dating someone? Like, when are you getting married? Hey, like you're getting older. Like it was this constant dialogue in my head that made me feel like I couldn't be ambitious or I couldn't dance or that like doing all those things was the wrong path. And that is like rhetoric that 100% needs to change. But I think for me, what I did, um, and this was like a short time in, in my mom and my journey, but it was an important one. At some point I was just like, every time she brought it up, I would be like, mom, oh my God, I have like a meeting I need to go to. I love you, I'll call you later. And I would just cut off the conversation because I realized it was like a triggering topic that would send me in circles of being sad. And I wanted to go and change the world every day. So what would I do with this negative conversation then in my head, making me feel lonely or sad? And I remember then being like, mom, like, hey, like we need, we need a little bit of a break. Like I need to just be able to like understand how I want to feel about this, who I wanted to date. Like I think I was going on dates being like, <laughs> oh, like I think my mom would like these check marks. You know, I wasn't even thinking about what like love or, and partnership look like for me. And so eventually I think like we, we got through that period, but I think that was an important period for me was to start learning 
to set boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the other way to deal with expectations is setting those boundaries, right? Like, it's okay. Like, I have people in my life through my journey, and this is going to sound harsh, but, like, when I was building ClassPass, like, I didn't have time to, like, have these conversations, and I literally just didn't talk to them, you know? And I think we forget that everything people say to us is food for thought, right? Mm -hmm. It gets into our minds, and it can change our energy. It can change the outcome of our life. And so why are we letting ourselves just like go with the flow and be re reactive to the people we hang out with? Like design the people in your life to help you fulfill your mission. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal. Like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. God, that's so powerful because everything that you're saying really becomes a, do you, have you, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Sliding Doors. Where, I did. Where it's like, 
if she makes the train, her yeah. life leads one way. And yes. That stuck with me so freaking much because I think about that just in my own life. It's like, yeah. if, I didn't, if I didn't even come to America, I wouldn't have met my husband. If I didn't mm -hmm. meet my husband, would we have started Quest, right? It becomes like this whole knock-on yeah. effect. So as you're telling your story, all these little things that could have taken you on these different paths, right? Family expectations, assumptions that we're just given as we're kids, um, as you're getting into the business, people looking at you like, what are you doing? But you never let that stop you. You just kept going. And going back to the, the big thing that you've mentioned so much that, you know, like it didn't occur to me, but in real time, like it really was your lifeline. Yeah. The dance. Yes. And that allowed you to keep going back to almost like your intuition. Yeah. It was my why. It was my, it's like my dharma, right? Like it was my, mm -hmm. my being, you know, and I always knew that like the answers was in there, right? Like if I danced, I would find the answer. Even till this day, like when I'm in like some state of like confusion, I'm like, if I just dance, I'm going to like find the path because it connects me to the universe. Mm -hmm. It connects me to my soul and the answer will always be there. And the answer in there is always better than anything else society can tell me to do. And I think that is really like the core of it. And this is sort of like what I start the book with, which is about your calling and allowing the universe to even guide you in that. I think people are always like, oh, well, how do I find it, right? Like I got lucky and I found something when I was really young, but you have to be silent sometimes and look inward and let that purpose and calling come to you because sometimes we just wanna keep going and we don't listen, right? And like you just said, it is just a few moments here or there that can totally change the trajectory of your life if you're willing to listen. Right, and that's the thing. Most of us don't even realize that voice is there so that we can listen to it. Yeah. We've just shut it out shut so it out. long. Well, that's society, you know? We think that things like fame, money, power mm -hmm. are the end all be all, right? And that's just, like I said, it's what society really tells us to do. One of the things, and I think this is an important exercise for everyone to do, is when you're making decisions in your life, think about what is really driving it, what value. Is it money? Is it power? Is it fame? Or is it passion? Is it purpose? Is it love, right? Which one is really driving you in the decisions you're making? And the more you lean in to doing them because of the passion and love and the purpose, it just gets easier to do it in that vein. And mm -hmm. I think for me, like I did prioritize dance and I had I literally say this truthfully. I fought to dance my entire life. I am still fighting to dance. It is not an easy thing what do you for mean me to do. To dance? Because, you know, the way, you know, dancing, even in like my culture, it's not something that's like, oh, you're going to do that full time. Like, it's just one of those things. I feel like everyone wants me to be someone else Ooh. but a dancer. I've always felt that. I always felt that. Even when I was building class class, everyone wanted me to do everything else but do the thing that I loved, right? Because there was things pulling me in 50 million directions. Mm -hmm. But I knew if I lost that, I would lose like the heartbeat of the entire thing. And that's what I'm, like, I'm, I think is so important is for people to find that heartbeat because that heartbeat channels everything else. And we might think this is the heartbeat or this is the heartbeat, but it's not. And it's gonna lead you in the wrong path and not open the right doors. But if we're willing to kind of stay in that zone, right? In that state of flow, in that state of where your soul is really on fire, you're going to know what your calling is. And, like that's your true north, right? And I think that's like a big thing I talk about is I can tell you how to break through constraints in your life and you can think about a lot of the constraints in your life, but you need to know where you're going or what's the point, right? Like this whole journey for me, the reason it, I, you know, it's culminated to where it has is because my true north has like never wavered. I think when you know that, it just becomes this really nice way to sort of make decisions by, to like let your identity thrive and sort of, it just helps, helps the world 
lead you through it versus mm -hmm. fighting you on it. How do you keep that true north? Because the emotion of it, the emotion, the sting, the feeling of failure, the embarrassment, all of that can really, like does in fact hold so many people back. Yeah. But I love the stories where people triumph, like you, where, I mean, in the book, you share so many like beautiful stories about how, yeah, we had predicted, like we were gonna sell something like 10,000 passes, yeah, and you sold like, like 100. 100 yeah. um, Things like that yeah. give people reason to say, see, this is why you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Right? Especially, I'm sure, maybe even parents where they're like, see, this is why you just need to get married and have kids. What yeah. are you doing wasting your time? Totally, right. How do you keep going? It's that why, you know? It is, I was put on earth to solve that problem and I wasn't going to stop mm. until I solved it. You know, like if we think back to like what soldiers do mm. in the world, and I, like, I know we use the word mission a lot. Like, what is a missionary? Like, it is someone who is on a mission to complete something. I was on a mission, right? Like you don't let anything stand in your way. And I wasn't going to let anything stand in my way. And I think this is why I always go back down to like trying to listen to that why, because we don't. We, we, that why is so convoluted for so many of us that we end up making decisions, like I just said, to go in different directions. But it was so clear for me. And I think like when you have that, you don't let the challenges, you don't let the expectations take over your, your decision making, you kind of keep plowing forward. And I, it was definitely hard. Like I remember I think about that time when the company was like not doing well and like we weren't booking any reservations. And you know, I never thought I would quit. You know, everyone always asked me like, did you think you were gonna quit? No, never. Because like I knew I had to solve this problem. Like one idea didn't work, one product idea didn't work. It doesn't mean that I was going to stop going towards my mission, right? And I think you said it like, how do you make your true north go away? Your true north never goes away. A true north is a true north because it will. It is. It is rigid. Right? It is there. It is always going to stay. That doesn't waver. Everything else wavers, mm. but that direction is still always set. It's so amazing. And you're saying it's like it really is the power or the power or lack of having doubt. So even with what you're saying, it's like well, I didn't doubt it. It's like okay, I fall, but. And it is that that is so interesting because even just having an inkling, oh, should I be doing this? Like I, you tell a story about having your plan B and you're like, oh, that was really bad. I shouldn't have had a plan B. Well, I was trained to have a plan right. B, right? Like my, my parents, like it's a risk aversion, yeah. right? That we yeah. all have that I think I was trained to being like, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, I have a plan B. And by the way, like, I think it's important to be pragmatic in any of these decisions, right? Like I think I, while I live my life, like taking these leaps and fighting, like. Like I would be like, okay, I'm gonna get straight A's so I could dance. Like in a weird way, I always had this like if then clause with myself to be like, I'm going to succeed in this so I can allow myself to do this. But yeah, it's just one of those things I think for me where I wanted to plan it, right? Like I wanted to make sure I was covering my basis, but I was allowed to fly at the same time. Mm. And all of that is, it's like, you know, people always say like, oh, I'm gonna go on vacation. I never wanna have a vacation. I want like vacation to be a part of my daily life, right? And that's how we all should live. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna go, you know, and, and I know some people can do it. Like, I'm gonna go on that like two week retreat and like hang out and like do yoga and meditate. It's like, this stuff is a part of your daily life, right? Mm -hmm. It should be a part of your daily habit, right? And I think being, having a meaningful life is about having it every single day in all that you do. And I think I was just so driven by that because that's what I had. And honestly, like that is really why I created the company because I wanted everyone else to have that in some way or another.
Yeah. So you're, you're so extremely motivated as you're talking. It's like, yeah. well, no matter what comes your way, you're still going to go. And I, I, what I love in your book is you talk about the difference between motivation and obligation. Yeah. Um, I find that really interesting. Do you mind just breaking that down? Because I'd never thought about them as, um, oh, shit, I actually do need to decipher. The should versus must. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. talk to me about that. Yeah. So every single time you're like, oh, I should do this. I should go to the party. You should just question yourself because... Why are you saying should? What is the obligation that you're having? What's the relationship to that other side, right? And then there's things in your life where you're like, I must, right? And that's really about mm -hmm. what fuels you. What you're like, I can't live without that because my heart is on fire. And those are sort of easier to make time for, of course. But like at the end of the day, it's about understanding the relationship of them. And is your life run by the shoulds or is it, is it run by the musts? And the more you live your life, with those musts, you're going to thrive. And like I said, like I know, and I've, I've said this a few times, but I feel like it really is when you're on fire and you have that fuel towards your calling, so much of these like constraints really dissipate, right? Like I was moving so fast when I started building the company. And I think about that because I just didn't have time to even think about these other things, you know? It just like wasn't an option. And I had something I had to do and I wasn't gonna let like anything stand in my way. Of course, like there were hard moments. Like I definitely don't want to make this sound like, oh yeah, easy peasy, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think you need to train your mind to really be able to say like, I'm not gonna let anything stand in my way. And when it does come, it's going to like come and like fall off you, right? Instead of like let make you stop in your path. And I think that's what we do is we get stuck, and then mm -hmm. we're like we contemplate it, we question it, and we go like in. I don't know, we may be going this direction, a little this direction together, when all you really need to do is just hop over it. Do you have one of those moments that um, comes to mind where we can actually dig, dig a di little deeper? Because I love going into real time of how you thought through it. Yeah. Because you're so freaking inspiring, girl. And I don't want people, like from the outside, people can dismiss, oh, well, of course she can do it. Well, look, look where she is. But it's in those moments. It's in those little moments where yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on my knees and I have to get through it and I have to get back up. And I'd love to know how you think through it. I think one of the hardest times is when, honestly, like our first product didn't work, you know, when we were building um, ClassPass. My like co-founder and I had actually been attacked. We were maced and mugged. So uh, my co-founder and I, we were in this like incubator program that goes on pretty late and we have like a meeting at 10 o'clock at night. And um, we went to a coffee shop to just work on our presentation, our demo day deck. And all of a sudden I feel something sprayed on my face, okay? And like, I am such a positive human being that I'm like, oh, like there's someone from like our, our company that's like literally playing a prank on us and like sprayed water in my face. That was like my initial reaction. And then it like started to burn and I hear Sanjeev yell, help. And I'm like, oh my God, we're in danger. Like, I, it didn't even cross my mind until that moment, right? And then, like, my eyes are burning. I couldn't see anything. Um, I think what was so hard about that moment was that, like, I didn't have anyone to help me, right? Like, I felt like people weren't helping. And, and I know that sounds sad, but I literally, like, it broke a little bit of my trust with, like, humanity. Because <laughs> I literally was like, wait a second. Like, I didn't know what to do, you know? Like, Sanjeev couldn't see. I couldn't see. I, I, we didn't know where we were at the time. Like I could have fall, like fall, I could have felt fall down, like any of it. And um, I mean, you know, we got out. Like the ambulance was there. We like obviously wiped our eyes and everything. But I just had, I'd never been victimized in my life. So this fear I lived with, right? Like I couldn't, I couldn't literally like leave my apartment for like a few days. Like I just felt so scared. Um, and I had never dealt with that, right? Like I had 
I was like a fearless human being, but now I felt like physically victimized, right? And I felt like, I, I never let like feeling small and all that stuff ever get to me, but I was like, wait, am I like not strong enough? And like, you know, I started feeling like, like I couldn't do things. And I even remember like I was in my incubator program and I remember being like, hey, I don't know if I can like finish the program. Like I was like quitting things, which is like never my, the way I am in my life. And um, I actually remember this, like I, I like was crying and I remember being like, I need to figure out a way to get through this. And everyone was like looking at me because I remember like there was actually a two, three month period where I was acting like nothing happened. That's what we do, right? Like I just hit it. I was like in a program, I was like, I need to be fearless for everyone else. I need to just like act like nothing is wrong. Like great, yeah, like I tried to do like business as usual the next day. And everyone's like, can you go home? Like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, everything's fine. Did you know at the time you were hiding it? Uh, no, I didn't know. Mm. I just felt like I was, I don't, I didn't know. I, I mean, every, my mom would call me and every time someone asked me about it, I would be like, I gotta go. Like, I didn't want to talk mm. about it. Um, I just was avoiding it completely. Um, so it basically made me avoid everything in my life. I almost just didn't want to like face what was going on in the world because I was like just so sad inside and I felt so like I felt small and I felt like incapable and it was like one of the hardest times but um, I remember me and Sanjeev went out to raise money a few months later and I started you know he's really funny so he like said a joke and I just started crying and like it was like happy tears but then like I had never like so much water came out of my eyes that I felt like it was that release like I remember being like whoa, like why did so much water, like it was funny, but it wasn't that funny. <laughs> and I just remember feeling in my, in my body like this release and I think I needed to feel that. And I remember after that moment, I was like, I need to not hide this. I need to actually feel my emotion. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize like I wasn't even feeling my product, right? Like I was, I was like trying to even disconnect. Like I was kind of going through the motions of building a product, launching my product. I wasn't really even feeling it. And I think all these great products in the world are, are built because you have like the empathy mm -hmm. with your customers and all of that. And we had just built like a search engine for classes. We thought it would launch and we launched it. And I just remember being on the other end of it and feeling that emotion. And it kind of relit the fire in me because I felt it. Like I felt the, I felt like the emotion come back. And I think I just, instead of hiding it, and I actually like talk about this too, I think as women, we tend to like say everything's okay and not want to deal with emotion. And I was told throughout my life to like, oh, weak people show emotion, don't show emotion, be strong. And I think I just took another turn. I was like, I'm in like, I'm feeling sad right now. I'm, or I'm feeling happy. Like I started really embracing it. I showed up to the, like with the team and I was honest about like how I felt and what was going on in the company. And we decided that we would change directions and it sort of relit this entire new era of what ClassPass became. We launched another product which didn't fully work either, but like at least we started moving because I needed that emotion to kind of come and run back through my veins because I had sort of killed it. I became numb during that time. And I think that happens to a lot of people when either incidents like that happen or just in general, I started going through the routine. You can't build a company by going through the routine. I had to be in touch with what was really going on. And I really think I needed to face my emotions to get through that. Because they're so powerful. And what I love is obviously being a female in business, we're told every day, well, you shouldn't bring emotion to the table, right? Like your feelings aren't valid here. It is just logic and that is it. Um, and I actually have a quote of yours about emotion that really hit me. 
Like failure, they can at times be uncomfortable and even shake us to our core, but they provide us with the invaluable information mm -hmm. we can learn from. Yes, yes, exactly. Emotions are a part of our instincts, our guide, our soul, right? Like going back to everything that I was saying and, you know, in dance, I'm super emotional. It's like actually a big part of Indian dance. So I was, I remember always thinking like, why am I not being the same effusive person in the business world and even actually like when I was fundraising and doing all like my meetings and stuff I remember thinking when I was doing that hey like you know people are looking at me and I'm trying to act like x y and z like this is this is how I dress this is how I should be I should know the numbers and I remember going in there and being like no like let me treat this like a performance it's like pile effusive whether I'm loud I'm you know whatever it might be and my meetings changed you know and I I think I just really was like I don't act the same way everyone else does. I'm never going to. Once again, like back to the identity thing, let me let me embrace that. But part of my identity is being emotional. And I'm very okay with that. It is what built a company like ClassPass. I had to understand how people were feeling. And that's really, you know, we think about brands today. <laughs> What's a brand? A brand is about a feeling that you're giving somebody. How can we create companies that have exceptional brands if we're going to be devoid of emotion in our offices, right? And I think we really need to rethink that, right? Like, of course, data, you need data. And I think, I mean, obviously, like I'm analytical too, but data does not do your thinking for you, mm. right? It's there as the aftermath. It's not the inception. The inception is the heart. It's the why. And that's how, what will get you started. And of course, data is there to help you along the way. But it's like sometimes it's used as the actual answer when it shouldn't be. Um, I love how you think. I love how unique you are. And it's really interesting to see. It is your uniqueness that I really do believe has gotten you to where you are, right? It's the, it's the blend between the fact that you love dance. I think it is a blend between like your culture and bringing something new to the table. You haven't gone through the experience because a lot of businesses are born from a problem that the person is yeah. dealing with. And the fact that you connect that emotion, you know, like that, that wants, that drive, that need, that passion to it, I think is exactly exactly why ClassPass became a billion dollar company. It's exactly why it's a unicorn company. And it wouldn't be that if it wasn't for you and your uniqueness. Um, but in those moments where you feel unique and going kind of touching on something we spoke about earlier, there is that inclination to want to fit in. That is yeah. that thing of like, well, I just want to be liked. Yeah. So even when you've gone to meetings, I can't remember whereabouts it, it was in your career. I think it was the early days where everyone's like saying who they are and everyone gets up. And oh, yeah. if you don't mind telling that story, because yeah. again, these are the little moments. Absolutely. Like, these moments are what other people I want desperately to hear yeah. so they can lean into who they are yeah. in order to get to the dream that they so desperately want. So um, I had this interview, it was like a big interview for a consulting internship. I think this is when I was in college. And um, you know, we we're supposed to go and present like a question for the group and then the group is supposed to interact and answer it. And every person who is presenting is supposed to stand up at the front and you know, I'm a short human being. I think I fully have embraced it now and love it, but it also has made me uncomfortable in, in like business meetings, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone was like bigger than me and I didn't want everyone to be thinking about that in my mind to go into, oh my God, what does everyone think of me? Because I knew I knew how to have that meeting. I knew I could do really awesome, but I knew and I made this like game time decision to keep sitting when I would lead the discussion. And I remember like in the beginning, everyone was like, what is she doing? Because I didn't walk up to the whiteboard mm -hmm. and like do what everyone else did. But I knew the second I walked up, I would have gotten nervous. 
right? And I would have forgotten actually how to be the person magnetic human being I could have been to lead that discussion. I would have gotten lost in my head. And so I changed the situation. I made it something that was comfortable to me. And I thrived. I had a great discussion with the team and I got the job. I love that so much <laughs> because in those moments you're like, there's no way I can just stay sitting, right? Like, like you I know. put all this judgment of like, well, everyone else is doing it. I don't want to stand out. And if I do stand out, am I now looking like the oddball? The oddball. But it's in that, yeah. that then people go, oh, well, hang on a minute. But like, what was the objective? The objective was to have a good conversation. Mm. Like if they, you know, and I was thinking about like what would really happen. And I'm like, and if the real objective here is to have a good conversation, I'm not going to be able to have it if I'm up there because I'm just going to be like, be nervous and if I'm down here I'm going to and like I reached the objective right I did it my way but I did it well how do you get the confidence I mean I don't think that was easy to do um I think in that moment I I just was focused more on what I knew the end result was going to be mm. which was hey like I'm gonna go up there and I'm gonna just bomb this and I knew that if I got up like in a weird way, I knew that like the worst case scenario, if that makes sense, was me, okay, I'm gonna go up there and it's gonna be terrible anyway. So how was I gonna make that a little bit better? By sitting, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like literally, it was going to be terrible if I got up and I knew that. Like I, I, and you know what, I probably would have been fine if I like really tried it. But I think in that moment, I just made a game time decision and I was like, I'm gonna do this my way. And I remember even after I was like, I can't believe I did that. I can't, like, I like, I couldn't believe I like didn't get up. And when, when the recruiter called me, he was like, you know, you're the first person who's ever done that. And he's like, but I actually really liked it. And he's like, your discussion was actually more connected and interactive because you were eye level with everyone versus like looking at everyone from like far away. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it showed me that like you probably would be able to like lead a meeting and like have a good discussion, which is actually more important yeah. than someone being able to present from a whiteboard. <laughs> anyway. But now what about the people that have the fear so much that they don't then proceed so fear is one of those things in our life that can make us prisoners right like it can trap us I think we have to get very clear on what those fears are and what the repercussions are Ooh, right like I on. think we don't think we think they're fears but why like what's the worst thing that can happen right and I think you have to know what that is and then go back to putting a plan together right like I think that is a big thing that I always think about is like Fear, money, okay, fear money. Okay, fear that I'm gonna, what, be poor one day or I'm not gonna have money, great. Like, what's the plan you can put in place so that stops becoming a fear and it starts becoming a plan, right? Mm -hmm. So change the fear into a plan because I'm telling you, like, and, and I love this, I think Robin Sharma said this, but your greatest life is on the other side of your greatest fear. And we just need to keep taking our fears and closing those doors and opening so many other ones. Like, I think for me, one of the most important days was the day I quit my job. Um, and I had no income, right? Like I, I, you know, once again, like my dad and I came up and sat down. We had a three-year plan on like my financials that I could go and build my company, but it's still hard to really go and quit and be at that day yeah. where I knew I was gonna like no longer have a secure job, environment, none of that day to day. And um, I was so scared. I remember I like walked in uh, and I told my boss, I was like, I was like shaking as I did. And once I told him, I was, you know, he was like, he understood. Like, I feel like he was like, okay, great. Like. I don't think anyone in that company would have ever thought I would have built this company, right? Like the person I am building ClassPass versus the person I was in that corporate job are so different. And this is what I want everyone to think about, right? Like even like me, like and any star, I bet you in the world, like anyone who's like been able to just get, get through the, these blocks in their life, they all were trapped too. And there are environments that can trap 
even the greatest human beings, right, that have been there. And I think everyone is a great human being. We just have to work through these traps, right? And so anyways, I got to the other side of it, but um, on that day I quit, I went back um, and wrote an email to like all the different executives at the company. And um, the vice chairman of my company called me to his office. And I was like, I'd met him like three times in like the three years I was there, but he was like, hey, like, I'd love to hear about what you're building and if I can help. And I was like, okay, like, hey, like I wanna build this thing for classes, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, great, I wanna invest. Like, here's $10,000. And I'll give you an intro. It was like, it was the most shocking thing to hear him want to help me. And like, I think the other big thing I remember on that day is every single time I told one of my colleagues like that, what I was going to do, they kind of looked at me with like, obviously they were like, I'm willing to help you. But they also were like in a state of like, I wish I could do that. Like, Mm -hmm. like you're younger than me and are going and doing this. And they were like, some of them were 10, 15, 20 years older than me. And they were like, I knew they were like sitting there being like, man, like I wish I had the guts to do that too. And that's when I knew I was like on the other side of a huge fear because I was like looking at other people who had the same fear. Oh, that's And I, at a, at a young age, had just transformed it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this has got to be a better answer and a better way to live. So I'm going to go for it. That's so powerful. I always do the like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Because then identifying the fear really does eliminate the fear. Or it goes, oh, this is actually a really valid fear. You need to think through it. You need to put a plan together, right? Right. Like, it's like, just don't let it stop you, right? I think that's really the thing is we just kind of get like closed and then we never do, we never move forward, right? And I think like, that's a big thing. Like, keep making decisions, like keep doing the uncomfortable thing, keep getting out there, like trying new things. I think it will help you get through your fears, right? Is by like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, seeing that you are capable of getting through it. I love that. So putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, let's talk about that because in the moment it doesn't feel good, right? It feels uncomfortable, it feels shitty. And we are all naturally drawn towards pleasure and away from pain. So in those moments of being uncomfortable, how do you persuade yourself to basically stay there? Because I'm sure and I'm just projecting right now, yeah. but being Greek Orthodox and five foot one, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like I can relate a little in the sense of people um, dismissed me, people try to intimidate me, mm-hmm. and I also let the intimidation happen because yeah. it's not even just on other people. It's, right. a, it's me allowing myself to be right. intimidated. Absolutely. So talk to me about, have you ever felt like that? And then in those moments, while I'm sure it doesn't feel comfortable, how did you um, keep going? I even think like, even though I had had this awesome background where I was supposedly trained in like business and all this stuff, and I was the perfect person to be building this company. I mean, I went to so many meetings in the beginning. Like I remember like walking in and I feel like everyone would just look, look at me being like, are you really gonna do this? Like, are you capable of doing this company? And I don't know if at that time I wore my confidence, you know? I think it was before that because that's really it. Like before I had the confidence, I would let the intimidation kind of make me be like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. like that's true. You know, like you kind of talk quieter, like you're, you kind of act smaller in the seat. I literally was about to say, people were watching, uh, uh, just listening to audio, you literally, your entire body just kind of like yeah. shrugged forward. Like I can do, I know I can be that intimidated person mm-hmm. too. I mean, I mean, I can easily be somebody, someone, like somebody just rejects, right? Or someone just walks over because I, you know, don't take up space or whatever, any of that, but it was my job to kind of get to the other side of that. And I think, you know, in those meetings, um, I just kept fighting, you know, I just kept being like, I'm gonna go and present this to someone else. I'm gonna go and present this to someone else. And like, you just have to kind of keep 
finding that glimmer of hope, even though it's like sometimes really small and hang on to it to get to the other side. But yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I've definitely been intimidated. I mean, I think about walking into a, a spin class. Even now? Yeah. It's funny, right? Everyone thinks because I built ClassPass, like I'm this huge fitness buff, okay? I am not, like I am, I am like scared. And I still sometimes don't feel like I'm strong enough, you know, or like, like I'm physically capable of like doing all the physical adventures. Like mentally, I know I'm there, but physically I don't always feel it. Mm. Do you um, allow that to then dictate how you show up or have you just trained yourself so much that even if you don't physically feel like you're strong enough, your mental um, strength gets you through? Because I think that's actually really important. Yeah, that, yeah, I do think my mental strength gets me through a lot of these things. Like you basically have to come up with like a system, right? Like I think I can do every fitness class now and how do I do it is because yeah, I am mentally strong, you know, like I, I've worked with like amazing trainers, amazing teachers, and I think they all know that. They're like, yeah, like I'll, I'll go. I've held plank for like four minutes before and I feel like I can do that. It's a mental thing, mm. 100%. There are probably things I just, I just avoid it sometimes, like getting myself in those situations, which isn't right, you know? But I think when I want to rip those Band-Aids, like I will, right? Like my, my husband and I like go on adventures every year for our anniversary and we'll, we'll do something, you know, like what do we do? Um, we went, oh my God, we went zip lining, like in the middle of Mexico. It was like the longest zip line in the world. And those are just like adventurous things that like sometimes freak me out and get like, I just get scared by. Um, but like, I remember being like, it's our anniversary. Like, I'm gonna do this. I know I can get through it to the other side. And even though like, literally like I'm so nervous before, like literally like screaming inside, I feel like I can get, I get through it, you know? But it, it takes me a little bit to build myself up to it. But I love that you never succumb to it. And everything this whole interview has been like, you have all the feels, you, you have all the negative thoughts, like, like every human being, and yet you don't let it stop you. And yeah. that's such a freaking key part. And one thing I love about your book is you've got like basically the life path pass method yeah which i love because it becomes in a blueprint to follow yes so if you wouldn't mind i'd love to just go over the life pass method. yeah so um and I'll, I'll tell you guys where it came from so about i think it was seven years ago i was in this point in my life where i felt like my company was about to take off so like at this point like everything had kind of gone right like in you know i knew class was about to succeed i had just kind of hit that moment where it was about to go viral but like my health was bad i didn't feel physically strong i like i had like no relationship, like my friendships were kind of like all a mess. And I remember being like, wow, like I've been able to succeed in these professional things in my life. And even this building this company, how do I apply a little bit of my same methodology to my personal life? Mm -hmm. And I think this goes for other people who might be able to do that really well in their personal life, but not know how to set goals professionally. So mm -hmm. I realized like everything I had seen in goal setting just like didn't work for me, you know? And I am a very goal oriented person because it's all really, to me, it's about those small steps that will help me get there. Um, so the way I've designed this is the first three steps of it are actually to narrow down on where you're even gonna goal set, right? And I think people forget that. It's like, they wanna go into goal setting, but we actually need to know where are we goal setting and in like what time frame, right? So I start with like a little bit of, first you reflecting on your past year. So you kind of figuring out where you currently are because you kind of need to know where you're starting from. <laughs> Then we go into a process of dreaming. So it's really about where you wanna to get to. Now, most people would think like dreaming means like, let me write down the goals, right? I think about them as themes and words, like dream words, right? Emotions, thoughts, because people need to know how they wanna feel. 
in a year, right? We tend to be like, oh, I'm gonna run a marathon or I'm gonna like get this job. The actual achievement itself. what do you itself. wanna feel in a year? Mm -hmm. What are your dream words that you're like, you're really aiming for, right? That you wanna get to in your life. So that's sort of step two. Step three is really how we end up focusing in. So it really comes down to time and figuring out the areas of time you're going to focus on because you can't make progress in every single area of your life. It is too much to look at your entire like hour of your life and where you're putting it and then not, and be able to say, I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. You're just gonna be all over, right? Mm -hmm. Like I love being able to say like, okay, I'm gonna focus on this area, this area, and this area, and I'm gonna make meaningful impact in it. And you only do it for three months. So it's a quarterly goal setting process where you are able to sort of switch these focus areas every quarter, which gives you enough time to make impact on them, right? Where you're not feeling like, okay, this is a year and it's not a week, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're able to really be like, I have enough time. Pretend this week you're busy and you don't get to do it. It's fine, you can do it the following week, but you at least know where you're trying to go. Um, and then the, most of the process is goal setting. So once you have those focus areas, you're able to really set tangible goals. And I think the magic in the way I've always set goals is, is they're measurable, right? They're really aligned with like, what is step one, not what's step 40, right? Because for example, like someone could be like, I wanna go and learn to play tennis, right? And they're like, you're not gonna be a tennis star at the end of the three months, but like a lot of people don't know where to start. And honestly, like I go through this, it's, it's like step one to three might be just like go on the internet and research for 30 minutes, different instructors in your local area. Step two is like call three of them, and step, you know, step three is literally sign up for the first class. And if you do all of that in three months, that's like better progress than actually going through a year and never doing any of it, right? And I think people don't know how to kind of break it down into that process, so that's what I do. I break down these processes into like the basic parts of the actions so people can really set goals in a good way. Because they're so freaking powerful because we do get caught up in the bigger picture, right? The bigger idea and that sometimes it, even though it feels real, like I really want this, like I really do, but to get there, it just becomes so daunting that then people just don't you start. You don't do it. You, right. never, you never start anywhere, right? Like you're saying I want to run a marathon. It's like, great, like why don't we just start with like, can you run a mile a day, right? And here's the other thing, and like I was what I love about the three month thing, and I've realized this many times as I've done it, is I'll get through it and I'm like, I don't even really want to be doing that anymore. Like it's actually not mm. fulfilling. Like why am I, you know, and a lot of times if you have like a New Year's resolution, you spend like a year sort of stuck in it. I love the idea of iterating as a human being. Like I love being like every three months I can do something completely crazy. Like I remember one time I was like, I, I'm terrible in the kitchen, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna try and cook like a meal a week kind of thing. And you know what, I just realized like, I'm not good at it and I hate it and it stresses me out. Yeah. And so I just like took it out and I'm like, that's it. Like I don't need to feel bad about the fact that I'm not going to do this, right? And I was able to put that energy and that like that time I have, the extra time that any of us have. But that's why it's important to be very specific on these little goals you're going to do because having 10, 15 goals for a quarter is much easier, right? Than like having some crazy list of things that you're never going to do. And these are minuscule goals that will help you get there and you'll be able to check them off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God, this has been so amazing. Um, there's so much in your book that we didn't get a chance I to know. go over. <laughs> but um, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Where can people find the book? Yeah, so I'm at Pyle, P-A-Y-A-L, and then lifepassbook.com is where you can find the book and where you can buy it. Oh yeah, guys, guys, go check it out. Go buy the book, it is so good. Honestly, I, we literally just touched on a tiny bit of all the gems that she has in that book. Check her out, check out the book. And guys, if you're not subscribed, click that subscribe button down there. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace out. <laughs>